Welcome to Voices of the Walk, Pass for All's everyday walking podcast. Our mission is to get Scotland walking, everyone, everywhere and every day. In this podcast series, we'll be hearing from a variety of Scotland's walking champions who are helping make our vision a reality. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Voices of the Walk. My name is Deborah Fox and I'm the Communications and Marketing Officer at Pass for All. I'm delighted to be joined today by Professor Shane O'Mara. Shane is a Professor of Experimental Brain Research from Trinity College, Dublin, whose enthusiasm for walking and its powerful benefits stem from his main research interests, stress, depression and anxiety, learning, memory and cognition. Professor O'Mara was also the keynote speaker at the 2020 online Paths for All Expert Lecture when he explored the science behind walking and why it's good for us. Shane, welcome. Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. (laughs) No problem. Thanks for joining us today. We've had some very positive feedback from your presentation from the expert lecture last week. Can you just briefly remind our listeners of the main topics you covered that day? Yeah, so um, what I tried to do uh, was to give a kind of an expansive view of human walking and reaching back deep into the evolutionary past of walking some 420 million years ago, all the way up to how we design our towns and cities for individual mobility and how urban design can act against uh, that form of movement, which is most natural for us, which is to get up on our feet and walk. So it really was a fascinating presentation, Shane. I think one of the take-home messages for a lot of people um, was really how walking and physical activity can boost immune response. How much can walking protect us this winter? Um, Well, walking can protect you in all sorts of ways. And kind of the, the key message that I wanted to get home was that physical activity is good for us. Uh, Our bodies are designed and our brains are designed to profit from physical activity, especially activity outdoors in nature, uh, or at least with some green environment around us. Uh, It has all sorts of positive feedback effects on the brain and body. It's not a magic bullet. Uh, You know, we have to do all the other things that we're needing to do, like wear masks, Uh, wash our hands regularly, um, avoid enclosed spaces and all of those kinds of things. But uh, the kind of precondition for fighting infection is to have a healthy brain and a healthy body. And one of the easiest, simplest methods for getting healthy is to get out there and move, get out there and walk regularly. Now, following the lecture, we've had a few delegates who have submitted questions to you. So put you on the spot um, once more. Um, first of all, how would you persuade someone who's never walked for well-being to understand the need for this in their daily life? Um, so I think, you know, th- this is a difficult question. There's just no doubt about it. Um, and it's a really, really good question. One I've puzzled about uh, a lot. Uh, So the first thing I think you have to do is we mustn't blame people for not being interested in moving. You know, humans have two competing drives. We need to move in order to source energy, um, you know, walk to the shops, go out and hunt, all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, we need to conserve energy. uh, And that means sitting around, being a bit indolent. And for most of our history, calories were few and far between, and we had to move a lot in order to get them. The paradox in modern life is that calories are everywhere, especially cheap calories that may not be, you know, the most healthy for us. Um, So I I think focusing on the badness within the individual is the wrong approach. Uh, What we have to do really is is, is to focus on how we can change the environment around the individual to make it more attractive to walk. So rather than saying, you know, let's go for a walk because it's good for your heart. Let's go for a walk because we can have a nice chat. 
you know, focus on uh, the elements of connection, especially social connection that come with walking is really, I think, one of the very best ways to go because humans evolved as social walkers. Uh, you know, I, I was just out for my early morning walk uh, earlier on today. Most people were walking in pairs or in, in small groups or there are people out walking their pets. Uh, and, you know, people have an intense uh, reciprocal social relationship with their dogs in particular. Dogs uh, are, are great for that kind of thing. So even walking with your pet is not a an asocial activity. It's actually a very social activity. So my, my general view is that we should focus on those moments of connection. And then after the walk, maybe say, did you enjoy that walk? You know, just get the person to think a little bit uh, about the benefit, the boost that they've had from actually getting up and moving. Because moving is intrinsically rewarding, but it's overcoming the inertia of the couch and the bag of crisps <laughs> and the television maybe is, is the problem. So I, that that's the way I would take it. But I, I certainly wouldn't be taking a view that uh, we should be admonishing people in a negative way. Try and build positive habits. Just moving on to environment, which you explored a lot in your keynote, so do our brains respond differently to walking in a natural green space environment or to walking in a built-up urban environment? Yes, is the reality. Um, there's been a lot of, of data going and a lot of explorations of this question going back really, I, I guess, for about 70 or 80 years. But this whole idea of the effects of, of the environment on our kind of state of well-being really took off in the 1980s. And there's just little doubt about it. Walking with some element of nature around you uh, is a good thing. And uh, city or built environments that are completely denuded of nature are, are places that people feel more unhappy and greater levels of stress in. Uh, and there's a reason why, um, I, I, and this is something I, I mentioned in the book, the, you know, the leafy suburbs are leafy for a reason and they're expensive for a reason because this is where people want to live. People don't want to live on the edge of a motorway with a, a wonderful view of the trucks uh, careering by. What they want is, is a view of nature. And this is something that actually we really need to think about in terms of public health. Um, walking in nature is intrinsically more rewarding, even if it's just a local park, uh, than uh, walking along a, a busy street. So our, our town councils, our, uh, our urban planners really need to be thinking about how to build elements of nature into the built environment. And what you see is when people walk in nature, they, they uh, have a drop in the level of their stress hormones, uh, in particular the stress hormone uh, cortisol. Uh, they feel more disengaged from their day-to-day -day problems. In other words, they're kind of decentering a little from that. Uh, and they feel themselves in a, in a, a kind of a, a more expansive context where they're more in contact uh, with nature and they're more relaxed. And these are all good things for individuals. And for society, of course, at large. Oh, and just following on from that, I guess, um, our next questioner asks, where do you see research into physical exercise, well-being and connection to nature going in the next five years? Are we perhaps on the cusp of reversing the disconnection between people and the spaces they live in? What a wonderful and lovely question. So that's what I hope will happen. <laughs> um, but where research will go will depend on the priorities of the funding councils. Uh, I regret to say, uh, uh, you know, for me as an academic doing uh, research work, I have to have access to research funds to employ research assistants and all the rest of us. Uh, and that's true for research generally. It costs money. 
But, you know, there are kind of trends in the literature that are worth focusing on. Lesson of biomedical science is very, very clear. Physical activity of whatever type and stripe is good for us. Um, it, it feeds back onto all the organ systems of the body in all sorts of very, very positive ways. And it has wide benefits in terms of prevention of disease, non-communicable diseases in particular. But biomedical science is silent on how we can apply these lessons to society at large. So I, I think, you know, one of the things that we're going to have to really think hard about is how we design uh, campaigns that engage people uh, in ways that they want to be engaged with. Uh, I, th I think just, again, shaking the finger and saying, you must walk for the sake of your heart health. That will work for some people, but it doesn't work for most people most of the time. So I think we really need to think about how, in particular, we can engage in, in socially based uh, engagement to encourage people to walk more or to be physically active more. And by that, I mean, uh, being around other humans is something that actually all humans find intrinsically rewarding. We like being together. We're a hyper social species. Um, so getting people to walk together, uh, using social media, for example, as a cheap means you know, a local WhatsApp group, for example, uh, we meet every Wednesday at five o'clock or, you know, whatever it happens to be. There are lots of ways of doing these kinds of things. Uh, and I think that has to be kind of one side of it. So these are the kind of the soft sides of things. But the other thing I think that really needs to be done is uh, how we design our environment so that physical activity is the default, is, is uh, a, a really signal issue. Now, I, I'll, I'll speak parochially for a moment. I live uh, in a village or just beside a village called Dawkey, which is in the south uh, of County Dublin. When the pandemic hit, Dawkey is a very old village. Um, I guess it's about a thousand or so years old uh, with a number of, of medieval castles along its main street. Um, but it was dominated by cars. And when the pandemic hit, uh, the local council suddenly took the view that we need to widen the footpaths. We need to take out car parking on the main street. We need to put in planters and seats and a whole lot of things. And in six months, the environment has just been transformed. There are olive trees being uh, placed on the main street as we speak. <laughs> and there are things like this that can be done and can be done quickly. Uh, now, the advantage of this is that if you're elderly, suddenly you have a footpath that rather than being a meter and a half wide is now you know, nearly two meters wide or whatever it happens to be. Um, so you feel safe when you're, you're walking around. The crossing points on the roads have been raised. So again, you can get across the road easily. So these kind of hard design aspects are things that policymakers really need to bake in to the design process right at the start so that you walk rather than get into your car. Um, and those kinds of changes are slow and sometimes cost money. You mentioned the need for wider societal factors to create a supportive environment for walking. What are the essential components of this and how can they be achieved? So the, that's a big question and there's lots and lots of elements to it. I think, you know, the, the key thing is that I guess countries vary in, in how design codes are, are written. But um, at the very core of your design code has to be personal mobility. And that mobility has to be for people who are on foot, people who are in wheelchairs, uh, people who uh, are, are using canes or using frames. They're, the needs of all of those have to be baked into the process. At the start. So that means if you're laying out a street, 
the footpaths have to be designed so that people can get off the footpath easily and cross the road easily. It's not a big deal for a healthy uh, person to step down off the road if it's a six inch drop or whatever. But if you're an elderly person with a Zimmer frame, that's a very frightening thing to do. You know, we, we, we need to have all of these kinds of uh, elements baked into the design process right at the start. Uh, going back and retrofitting them is really hard. Uh, putting these designs in at the beginning is, is much, much easier. So I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the view that we really have to visit policy uh, in terms of environmental design uh, and really bring this uh, uh, personal mobility um, right into the core of this. And this is, as, I've, as I said, uh, with my acronym EASE, uh, it has to embrace everyone. Uh, and that means everyone, irrespective of the, the form of mobility that they, they engage in. And finally, Shane, a question that we ask all our podcast guests. What or where is your favourite walk? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, 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 I don't know if I have a good answer to that. Um, I, I do love walking in cities, uh, but I, I like walking in cities that have lots of green in them. So I, I guess my favourite city over the years to have enjoyed walking in is London, which uh, might come as a a small surprise or maybe not yes. <laughs> but uh, in terms of other walks um, I'm very lucky where I live uh, and I daily am delighted by that we have a beautiful hill which overlooks the bay uh, here in Dublin so I can walk around that uh, and I do that almost every day and then for bigger walks uh, the Wicklow Mountains are just wonderful uh, for a seven or eight hour hike um, so there I didn't answer your question uh, in terms of one walk, I, I gave you three. <laughs> All sound lovely. Uh, and before we go, just a reminder that the entire presentation from Shinomara is available to listen to and view on our website, passforall.org.uk. And Shane, if anyone wants to keep in touch with your work or find out more, is there any way they can do that? Yeah, so I, I have a, an easy sign-up newsletter at brainpizza.substack.com. Uh, and there are articles on there at the moment on walking, uh, our response to the pandemic and lots and lots of other things. Thank you again, Shane. Thank you.